Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast, the first episode of week 21. Uh, today's day, March 6th of 2023. I'm your main host, Karsten. Since we're back on a Monday, we're back with my uh, Monday co-host, uh, who also happens to be my good friend, Wyatt. How are you doing today, Wyatt? I'm doing, well, pretty decent. I just got off spring break, so last week was definitely better, but, you know, I'm feeling ready to finish out the semester and be done with school here for a little bit. Very good. Fair enough. Getting that uh, second wind, I guess, if you want to yeah. call it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say I'm on the brink of getting it. I'm not quite there, but <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. No, I, that's, that's totally fair. I, um, I, I'm doing pretty good. I, you know, it was just a week or two ago. I was feeling sick and I'm, you know, fully recovered from that. I'm good, except for the fact uh, I have a canker sore on Ooh. maybe maybe the worst place, the bottom of your tongue, like the underneath side <laughs> of your tongue. I can't imagine a more inconvenient place. Um, so that's a little bit annoying. Hold up your tongue constantly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but otherwise, we're doing good. And uh, I'm glad to be back with you and glad that we're doing the podcast again. Uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, as we normally do on our Monday show, we, of course, have the weekend, the, the last weekend of action to to recap, but we don't want to talk about every single game for you because that would take a lot of time and not every single game is interesting. So we pick five games uh, to cover. We'll cover some bonus facts from some of the other games that happened over the weekend, uh, and then that will kind of wrap up the weekend as a whole. Uh, sometimes, you know, when we're picking the five, I pick – you know, two or three that were, okay, these are obvious choices. And then what are some others that filled the spot with this weekend? There were such crazy games uh, and action that happened. The five kind of picked themselves and there was maybe one or two others that would have been contenders that didn't quite get in. That's how crazy this weekend was. Uh, It started on Friday with the Boston Celtics hosting the Brooklyn Nets. The Celtics ran out to a big lead the Nets, of course, have lost their their marquee talent. We're expecting or kind of anticipating the Nets to slide and fall in the standings. Um, and that's what it looked like in this game in the first moments. And then the Nets worked their way back, and they managed to win this game, 115 to 105 against the Celtics. We'll have time to talk about both these teams in just a moment. Kind of interesting. Yeah, it was uh, midway through the second quarter, the Celtics had their biggest lead. Uh, Nets took the lead as soon as the middle of the third quarter and never looked back from that lead uh, as they ended up winning this game. For the Celtics, uh, Jason Tatum led the way with his scoring, 22 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, five assists, uh, 0 of 7 from three-point range, a little bit tough there, but still a decent game. Uh, Jalen Brown actually was the leading scorer, excuse me, 35 points, uh, five rebounds, three steals, decent percentages. Uh, Derek White, 16 off the bench, and Marcus Smart with 13 points, eight assists. Meanwhile, for the Nets, it was Mikhail Bridges, who's really elevated his play since getting to Brooklyn, 38 points, 10 rebounds, phenomenal game for him. 20 points for Cameron Johnson, his fellow former son starting alongside him. Uh, 17 points for Dorian Finney-Smith, as well as 17 for Spencer Dinwiddie as they get that win. Um, Why I'm going to maybe take, I'm going to let you lead the Celtic side of this because I want to talk about the Nets and this will lead into a bit with our power rankings discussion. Um, Maybe I'll phrase it like this. I'll ask you the question, should... 
the NBA fan in general and should the Celtics fans in specific be concerned about the Celtics and their play within the last week or so? Uh, Right. Yeah. Cause they're on that three game losing streak, you know, kind of rough, I guess for the Celtics being one of the top teams, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know that I'd go as far as to say they should be concerned. Uh, I think it's pretty common to see, you know, these slumps happen even with the best of teams most years. Uh, I mean, the, the, you know, the best team, I mean, at least the best record in history was the Warriors, right? Mm-hmm. And they still lost, what, like 12 games or something? Uh, they lost nine, but yeah. Nine still. games, okay, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. It's It's a concern that it's happening this late in the season, but I could also, you know... Ch- say you could chalk it up to like a pre-finals uh slump you know that kind of they need to fall for a moment figure some things out and it could actually be more beneficial in the long run because they can see where they are weak and what they can work on that will make them you know that much better for their playoff run that's a great point yeah get those things worked out before it really matters in the playoffs that's a great point um, also worth noting, if we look at their current injuries, uh, of course, Gallinari, he hasn't played the whole season. We've, we knew that going into the season, that hasn't been a factor, but, uh, Tatum and Horford are kind of day to day with some lingering injuries and Robert Williams is out for a little while, their defensive anchor inside. So those, that's important to, to note with the Celtics, but also like why I said, great point about, uh, they're not perfect as a team. No team ever is, and they can get some things worked out. That's a great point. Uh, to the to the Nets' credit, this is where I wanted to talk, um, or what I wanted to focus on. Excuse me. Uh, we'll get to this with our power rankings a little bit later on, but the Nets are kind of holding ground a little bit more than maybe people thought they would. Uh, Mikael Bridges, as I said, has been a big part of that. Um, he's really upped his scoring. He's been kind of their go-to guy. Claxton still has been impressive defensively. You have Cameron Johnson, who's versatile. Uh, Dinwiddie back in Brooklyn doing his thing. I like the Nets' makeup to at least still kind of stay in that top six with the record they have now. They're not going to be, you know, overly fantastic to finish out the season, but I think that Nets can still finish in a really good spot in the Eastern Conference. And it will be interesting to see what happens in the playoffs. I'm not saying they'll do great. I'm not saying they'll do terrible, but it's just interesting. Um, regardless, yeah, a, a statement win for the Nets, showing that they're not going to just completely fall off a cliff with Durant gone and the Celtics, uh, some issues, but we're thinking overall, maybe not a huge cause for concern, just some some bumps in the road as they get things figured out going into the playoffs. Uh, let's talk yeah. about that second game from Friday's slate. That was the uh, Sacramento Kings hosting the L.A. Clippers. Uh, another time the Kings are playing the Clippers and it comes down to a one-point game. It didn't quite go to two overtimes. Didn't end up the second highest scoring game in NBA history, but it was still a pretty great game. Uh, the Kings won that game 128 to 127. That was the Kings' fifth straight victory. Uh, again, coming at home back and forth game throughout. Uh, both teams held leads at different points. The, uh, there were 13 lead changes in this game, but still the Kings coming out on top and the Clippers struggling a little bit lately. 
for the Clippers, they had all uh, five starters score in double figures, including Russell Westbrook. He had 27 points and 10 assists, one of his best games of the season. You know, Paul George added 28 points, eight assists of his own. Uh, Kawhi Leonard did not play in this game, could have been a factor. Eric Gordon scored 21 points himself, and they had 15 from Robert Covington off the bench. Uh, for the Kings, though, they also had all five of their starters score in double figures. Uh, Darren Fox led all scores with 33 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. Sabonis, 23 points, 10 rebounds, another double-double to add to his impressive total this season as the Kings uh, get that win. We could maybe just chat for a brief moment about the Clippers, Wyatt. Maybe your thoughts on the Clippers' early returns on Russell Westbrook. Do you think it's too early to say, or are there maybe some concerns there as far as their team's overall play? Um, I'd say probably too early to tell for the most part. Uh, I mean, Westbrook is playing better than he did with the Lakers, which could factor in long run. Like you said, once, you know, all of them are playing, once Kawhi is back and Paul George, uh, continues to play. Like if, if they can get all three of their, uh, you know, stars, I guess, playing, at the same time, then that could uh, be a turn for the better for their uh, team. But I I wouldn't necessarily say that's going to happen either, if that makes sense. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're seeing good returns for West, Westbrook early, but still a loss. And, we, and I could see it. I could argue like, hey, once they get Kawhi, um, you know, back in and they're all playing, they're going to be better. But I also would say you know that's not a guarantee i i wouldn't be surprised if westbrook falls off again or if there's some you know maybe issues working together that arise when you know sometimes that happens with a large amount of star power i think it's too early to tell anything definitively yeah that's a good point but i i'm kind of with you as far as um well the the possibility you mentioned as far as the team, you know, there's that, that risk they run of players not gelling. And I think of, you know, it's interesting that Westbrook and Paul George are reunited this season on the Clippers because the last time they played together was of course in Oklahoma city. Right. And what happened there was two first round exits. And there's some factors to consider there. There were injuries, you know, I get that, but at the same time, as someone who's had his fair share of doubts about Westbrook's ability to play winning basketball, especially in the playoffs, um, I would have concerns there. But again, like you're saying, it's a little bit too early to tell. It will certainly be something to watch for as we get into the uh, the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. um, okay, yeah, let's jump to Saturday. The main game from Saturday that we want to talk about is the Philadelphia 76ers getting a massive win in the Eastern Conference against the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee, 133 to 130. I caught about the last five or six minutes of this game. Uh, it was a pretty impressive um, pretty impressive push from the Sixers. Uh, yeah. it, mid, mid to late in the third quarter, the Bucks led big. It looked like they were going to put the Sixers away. The Sixers, you know – not being able to put it together in that second half, but then the Sixers go on a rally, they push, and they take a lead with the, in the last minute or two, and they go on to win this game. Massive win for them. Uh, 
if nothing, if nothing else, just that confidence facing the Bucks and that top tier talent in the East come playoff time, definitely a big thing for them. Uh, you look at the Bucks uh, stats in this game. Uh, Pat Connaughton, one point, kind of odd that he was held to that. Um, only played half of the game, but the rest of the starters, uh, twenty or twenty or more points each, led by Giannis's thirty-four points and thirteen rebounds. Seven turnovers still, but he was also 16 of 18 from the free throw line. Very impressive, especially for him, who's had his fair share of publicity and struggles at the free throw line. Meanwhile, for the Sixers, this win was even more impressive when you consider that both Tobias Harris and P.J. Tucker, who were struggling in the game early, both left with injuries of different types and did not play much, if at all, the second half. So they were doing it without the, two of their starters, uh, and that, was, that makes the win even more impressive. So they were led by James Harden, who had 38 points and 10 assists. Joel Embiid had 31 points and 10 assists himself. Maxi was 26 starting in this game, 16 off the bench for George Niang, and they get a very impressive win there. Um, maybe just a quick comment, Wyatt, your thoughts. It sounds like maybe you saw some of this game. A decent amount of this, and uh, at least a decent amount of the second. And it was really fun to watch. You know, this was one of the ones that I really wanted to tweak. And I just got to make a comment. For a while, uh, James Harden was guarding uh, Giannis when uh, Embiid was on the bench. Mm-hmm. And Harden is one of those guys that over the years has been critiqued mercilessly for his terrible defense mm-hmm. right and i thought he did a super good job on Giannis. ironically yeah when, at least the the times that i watched like he was playing some big boy ball like really like pushing Giannis, keeping him out of the paint and like at least in the in the few moments that i watched of him guarding Giannis, i don't think Giannis scored and then the Embiid came back in and was back on him, and Giannis kind of, you know, whipped Embiid a little bit, like scored on him like three buckets in a row immediately after that. And I just thought that was that was kind of funny, and thought back to you know when Giannis and Harden kind of had the that spat on Twitter or whatever, where Harden's like, "Yeah, I wish you know it, it's not easy uh, to." you know, play ball like he does. Like he actually has to learn the game and be a good basketball player rather than just like running down the floor and dunking it with the physique that Giannis has. And I wondered yeah. if that played into it at all. Maybe a little bit of a, I don't know. Yeah. There's some, some beef there. And that was what I was thinking when you first started talking about it. Yeah. The Harden and, and Giannis have had those, those spats, but yeah, I think that that's a credit to Harden's approach this season. And it started with the off season, right? He, came into this season in much better shape than he'd been the last few years. And it's probably just that added mindset. It seems like he's a lot more committed to to winning in Philadelphia than he had been the last few years. Yeah, great point. Right. And, he, and even Embiid, the last couple of minutes, you know, there certainly were moments where Giannis had the better of him. But when it counted, when the Sixers took the lead, Embiid uh, – held his ground against Giannis, forced him to travel at one point. It was... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So both guys did their share, and it was definitely a great outcome for the Sixers. Big win for them uh, against a team they want to beat when it comes to comes to the playoffs in the in the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, let's jump to Sunday. We When we were talking about our uh, 
games uh our weekend preview on the friday show games to watch out for this was easily the number one maybe one of the most you know intriguing games we've had as far as a preview the phoenix suns in dallas against the mavericks um durant in his second or third game in phoenix alongside booker and chris paul facing off against the mavericks who of course the mavericks ousted the suns in last year's playoffs there's that storyline there's the storyline of Kyrie on the mavs against his old teammate in durant there's luca versus booker there's so many you know, storylines with this matchup, marquee matchup in the Western Conference, one of them, to say the least. And uh, the Phoenix Suns able to come out on top in this first match of the the new iterations of both these games, 130 to 126. Um, and it was a very hectic last few, uh, few minutes back and yeah. forth the game. Yeah, 13 lead changes overall. No one led by more than nine points in this game. Um in the last few moments, there was a uh, Durant hits a clutch bucket to put the Suns ahead with very few, t- very little time left. And then it looks like Booker goes at Doncic with some talk, and Doncic yeah. is smiling right back at him, and they're getting into shoving. And well, yeah, what was the situation there? Right after, so Doncic had uh, missed a wide open layup. I mean, to to mm-hmm. tie the game up, and it was. He was obviously very visually upset because it was like it was the you know he couldn't have been more open. Really. Yeah, he had pump faked a guy and he went jumping and uh you know it was an easy layup and it rolled off the front of the rim and then Booker made some comment to him which you know we don't know but yeah then there was that that spat which you know kind of kind of a low blow from Booker to hit him <laughs> in that low moment where he's already feeling bad on himself but then yeah you know you also have to say like come on Doncic, it's a wide open layup you're the guy on the mavericks i mean arguably now with Kyrie, yeah to tie the game like you got to make those for how much you're being paid so it was it was a very intense last few seconds yeah absolutely and booker and Doncic has got to be maybe the best beef in the modern nba right now it's it's up there those two guys going at each other um that's that's a great one but yeah huge win for phoenix um just kind of the you could call it the honeymoon period but it's a dang good honeymoon period for for the suns the way they're playing right now um the mavericks uh stats wise it was Kyrie and luca you know 30 plus points each kind of what you'd expect um, 21 off the bench from Tim Hardaway Jr., 17 off the bench for Christian Wood in this kind of weird Mavericks lineup. Even with Kyrie, there's still some questions here. Um, yeah. for, I got this... I got to point out Hardaway, six for eight from three. I watched him, like, nailing these threes, and I was like, holy cow, this guy can't miss. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. People forget how, how good of a shooter he is because he's had some injury troubles. He's he's a bench piece now, but, he, yeah, he's a great shooter. Um, of course, you want to talk about great shooting. Durant's going to be in the mix too. He had 37 yeah. points in this game, uh, three of five from three, including that dot we mentioned. Tough kind of driving, quick pull up, somewhere between a, a mid range shot and a floater, kind of interesting shot. You know, mm-hmm. uh, with that height and length, unable to, you can't do much about it. He 
makes it to give him the lead. Uh, so, yeah, big scoring night for him. Booker right behind him, 36 points, also had 10 assists. Uh, DeAndre Ayton had 16 rebounds in this game. Uh, they had 11 from Chris Paul and seven assists. They had 12 off the bench from Ish Wainwright, and uh, the Suns get that win. Yeah, definitely a big one for them against the Mavericks and a huge game from this weekend's action. Um, yeah. And I would argue that Kevin Durant, that trade the Suns made, has probably been the most productive trade uh, that has been made you know, during this trade season. Like when you look at the Durant trade, Kyrie, Westbrook, like some of these bigger names and their trades, uh, you know, over the last couple months, Kevin Durant just has really kind of grabbed the Suns and just yanked them up a lot, I feel like. No, oh, yeah, definitely. And again, it's, you know, it's only been three games, but we, we did know, you know, we know what type of player Durant is, how incredible he is. And he's certainly been giving the Suns a huge lift. Uh, yeah. yeah, tremendous play. Uh, we got a great closeout to the weekend's action as well. Um, the New York Knicks in Boston against Celtics with a win streak uh, on the line. And the Knicks extend that win streak in double overtime, 131 to 129, beating the Celtics. Um, huge win for New York. Still a tough loss for Boston. Uh, let's see. The game charts. Let's take a look here. Back and forth game again. 12 lead changes. Um, Celtics had the biggest lead of the game in the third quarter. They led by 14. Uh, but again, two overtimes. Both teams fighting badly for this win. The Celtics were led by Jason Tatum. He had a much better night in this one than he had that prior game we talked about. 40 points, 11 rebounds. They had 29 points from Jalen Brown, 20 points, 14 rebounds from Al Horford. Uh, Derek White, Marcus Smart also scored in double figures. Uh, for the Knicks, though, it was Emmanuel Quickly, yeah. uh, of all people, stepping up with a career night, 38 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. Love, excuse me, along with 4 steals and 2 blocks. What a night. The percentages, the all-round stats, the scoring, hard to do much better than that. And people forget about quickly about quickly. Of course, the new talk with the Knicks is Brandel and Brunson with Barrett. Quentin Grimes has been promising. Josh Hart. Emmanuel quickly has been a productive player. I believe he was an all rookie team guy a couple of years ago. He's a solid player. He's a bench player, but he's a solid player. And I like yeah. to see a guy like that have a night uh, that like he did. Very good for him, especially in relief of Jalen Brunson, who did not play in this game. Uh, they also got 31 points, nine rebounds from Julius Randle, 29 points from RJ Barrett, and uh, 13 points, 14 rebounds from Mitchell Robinson. Huge win for New York. They keep that win streak going. Uh, again, we'll have a chance to talk a little bit more about them in our power rankings. But Wyatt, what do you think is next for the Knicks? They're exceeding some of the expectations we'd set. You know, early in the season, we thought, you know, could be a playoff type team throughout the first half of the season they showed us yeah they're easily a playoff team and then they kind of set that new standard and now since the all-star break they've raised that even further they've been the hottest team in the nba post all-star break do you think the knicks are going to move that standard up for themselves that how much higher as a top team in the east or do you think they're playing a little bit above their weight uh yeah good question i think that the you know, you can't argue with a nine-game winning streak. I mean, these we, we see, like, you know, 
some three game winning streaks and it's like, eh, you know, that kind of stuff happens. But nine games, I think that they're really coming into themselves this, you know, since the all-star break. And I kind of expect them to keep playing well. I don't know. Depending on your definition of top team in the East, I I don't know that I see them getting there. I can see them passing the Cavs. Uh, they're in fifth right now behind the Cavs being in fourth. But beyond that, I think they are going to be right. I think they're kind of right where they're going to be, you know, in that fourth or fifth position in the East. Um, I I have a hard time seeing them past the Sixers, Celtics, Bucks. Um, but I I could see them making a very healthy run in the in the playoffs for sure. Gotcha. No, I, I think that's a fair point. Yeah, somewhere in the middle, maybe they've mm-hmm. elevated a bit, not quite to the level of a Bucks or a Sixers, but they're they're in that mix, right? So, right. No, I think that's a great point, and yeah, I'm I'm happy to see it. Um, I'm kind of the one who's been cheering for the teams who have had struggles lately. My big campaign this season has been the the Kings. I've been all sorts yeah. <laughs> of campaigning the Kings or campaigning for the Kings. But you know, the Knicks, I'm happy to see them do well too, especially with some of the uh, teams they've had over the last five or ten years. Uh, definitely happy to see them do well and a great win for them against Boston. Really a statement type win. Uh, great job for them all around. Um, that takes care of our five-on-five five drill. Real quick, let's run through our six-men uh, numbers for you. On Friday, we're going to stick with the Kings. The Kings, or excuse me, the Knicks. The Knicks won a game in Miami against the Heat off a Julius Randle game winner, and he also had 43 points on that game. Definitely want to shout that out. On Friday, uh, the Nuggets, no, uh, Nicole Jokic had a triple-double in their win versus the Memphis Grizzlies. Great stat for him. He's kind of made that par for the course this season. On Saturday, Toronto beat the Washington Wizards in uh, in D.C. in overtime. So that was an exciting game. Uh, if there was a sixth game we would talk about, it would have been Sunday's game between the Pacers and the Bulls. That also had a wild ending, back-and-forth uh, possessions, both teams scoring. Halliburton has the ball, tied game, uh, time running out. So he can put up any kind of shot, and there's no real uh, downside to it. Puts up a tough shot, deep three-point range, drains it, and the Pacers end up winning that game in Chicago. Great win there. Um, On Sunday, Anthony Davis had a huge stat line in their win versus the Golden State Warriors. Damian Lillard dropped 41 in their win in Orlando against the Magic. The Clippers withstand a 51-point third quarter from the Memphis Grizzlies to go on to win that game in L.A. So shout-out to the Clippers withstanding that uh, offensive onslaught from the Grizzlies. And finally, a stat that I saw from this kind of weekend and more just these first three games or so with the Booker-Durant combo in Phoenix – uh, Booker and Durant's combined 188, 188 points through their first three games is top five all-time combined points through three games of any teammates. The other three or four are all wilt with various teammates he's had in, over the years. Fair so, enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thought that was a great fact to, uh, to talk about. But otherwise, that takes care of our key news. Okay, with that, let's go ahead and jump to our... Uh, actually our key news i think i said the six men was our key news didn't i 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So scratch that. That was our six man segment. Let's jump to the actual news from this last weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got a lot of news to talk about. It was a very crazy last few days of NBA action. And uh, the main thing was an off the court issue talking about uh, the Memphis Grizzlies star player, John Morant. Um, of course, he's had there's been some some interesting moments with him as far as off the court issues with Memphis. There was the incident maybe about a month ago with the whole uh, after the Pacers game and his entourage, a friend getting banned from the arena, that whole debacle. There's been some kind of, you know, rumblings around that, but um, things really escalated over this last weekend. So I'll just go ahead and get right into it. Uh, John Morant, made a uh, Instagram uh, live stream where he was in a club. I, it was in, uh, in Denver in Colorado. Right. And um, yeah. Uh, he was in the club and he had, he brandishes a gun apparently. And uh, I haven't seen the live stream myself. I don't know exactly what else he did, but I do know that he shows a gun in the, the live stream and he's in the club. Uh, so after that came to light, there was, you know, the Grizzlies said we're aware of this, you know, this has happened. So John Morant issued an apology, an official apology after that uh, came to light. Uh, he said he's going to, quote, take some time away to get help. Uh, that's just a short quote. The whole statement is available online. Um, the Grizzlies announced officially he will miss at least two games uh, in that effort to take some time for himself. And there's no timetable for an official return. Uh, furthermore, the NBA and the Colorado Police Department have opened separate investigations to determine if further action is necessary. Uh, it's worth noting this is also following recent reports of a lawsuit on the behalf of a, a 17-year-old who accused Morant of assaulting him. Um, it, w- it was either him that followed the lawsuit or someone who represents him. Um, and it, it just bizarre stuff. And I mentioned this to Wyatt at the beginning Um in a half joking manner, but I, I don't want it to be for his sake. I don't want it to be true. This seems almost like the NBA equivalent of the Antonio Brown situation. What happened with him in the NFL, these bizarre situations, all of this off, off the playing surface uh, issues. I, you know, pray for his sake that he actually is taking this time. He's genuine in his apology comments. He's taking the time to get help and that he's going to be able to mature and put this behind him and be a uh, consistent, productive, healthy member of the NBA family and a great player. Uh, why? I don't know if you have any thoughts you want to add to that or you're just kind of echoing the same thing. Right. Yeah. Just uh, kind of what I mentioned to you off, uh, you know, off air is it seems like a shocking turnaround for Morant. It seems like he was kind of a, you know, he he was this father, you know, with his cute girl and rising star, kind of someone that I feel like everyone really, you know, liked and looked up to. And then all of a sudden this season, it's been all just one thing after another. And it's kind of shocking how things can turn around so quickly. But yeah, like you said, I hope, I hope he gets things worked out. He's, you know, a walking highlight reel, uh, you know, super fun to watch and play. He's done super good things for Memphis and the Grizzlies franchise. And, you know, they, they're number two in the West. You hate to to see them struggle and start to decline because of 
you know, issues like this. So best of luck to him and getting things sorted out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you mentioned, you know, he, he, he's recognized as, you know, a great family man and, you know, as a kid and things like that. And, um, I think the way you phrase it, you didn't mean to, but like he was known for these things, which is odd because right, sometimes, yeah. but like there's an extent to that, which is true, where if you have someone, I mean, this is a, this might be a tangent and this is like a wildly different comparison, but you think of a, a player, an, an athlete like an OJ Simpson, people will never think of OJ Simpson as a great football player anymore. They'll only think right. of him for what happened with his off the field life. And again, I'm not saying that's anywhere close to this type of situation, but sometimes events like this that are, you know, negative events that they can impact a a person's perception. They can change the way people think about you. Eventually you're no longer, you know, the positive things You're these negative things. And maybe again, it's a bit of a, a stretch there, but I just hope that he's, you know, can move past this. He can continue to be defined by the good things in his life. And he's not right. an athlete that lets, you know, these issues, he doesn't get in his own way as far as achieving what he's capable of achieving. Um, so that's the main thing. That's the big thing to talk about. Sort of a similar story in some ways um, for the NBA in general. Former NBA player uh, Anthony Morrow is facing multiple criminal charges in Charlotte. Um, Morrow was a, a solid player in his career he had a, a decent yeah eight-year career with a bunch of different teams he was a good three-point shooter in that time um but here let's see here's the official nba article excuse me anthony morrow is facing charges of assault on a female assault by strangulation communicating oh. threats and second degree kidnapping in charlotte um a lot of stuff there sounds pretty unbelievable According to Mecklenburg County Sheriff's Office arrest records, Morrow was arrested on February 10th and released two days later on a $15,000 bond. So apparently this happened a little while ago. It's just coming to light. Um, just a shame, man, because, again, he was, a, he was a decent player, not a star, but a, a good – he's just a touch ahead of his time as far as his shooting and to, you know, have your post-playing career go this direction is not what anyone wants to see. So Yeah, for sure certainly bizarre um okay that's our you know really tough news to cover let's get into more um still tough but not as tough uh injury type news and suspensions um firstly a couple of items for the grizzlies it's been a very tough weekend for them uh brandon clark uh forward center brandon clark is out for the season with an achilles tear uh which he sustained uh during play this last weekend i forget which game exactly uh, but that's definitely some tough injury news for them. He's a big part of their bench. Uh, and especially with Steven Adams, he had still been out with injury. He was, you know, especially a part of the rotation. And then for the Grizzlies, uh, Dylan Brooks has been suspended one game without pay uh, because he received his 16th technical foul. If you're not aware, if you receive 16 technicals, you automatically receive a one game suspension uh, without pay. And then for every two technicals you receive after that, you get an additional one game suspension. So that has come into effect for Brooks because he's had so many technical fouls. Just a tough. I wonder why 16? Like, who came up with that number? That's a good question. You know, I know that there's certain elements of that rule that were affected by Rashid Wallace. He was infamous for his, you know, 
difficulty to officiate and his amount of technicals. Um, he set the NBA record. Uh, he had 40 technicals in a season in wow. uh, oh, early 2000s. I think he was still with uh, Portland at that time. Post, uh, post, you know, 2000, the 2000 season, which was their best season, that iteration of that team. But yeah, it has, I would imagine it has something to do based on some of those numbers, but I don't know the specifics. That's a great note. We should uh, write that down, see if we can come up with the answer for next, uh, next show. But um, right. yeah, so regardless, yeah, Brooks, Clark, and John Morant, all these things with Memphis, tough situation for them. Um, and it will be part, it's factored into my power rankings, but we'll have a chance to discuss yeah, mine that. As well. We'll, have, we'll discuss that in just a moment. Uh, next, though, good news. Golden State, uh, Steph Curry made his return Sunday night. Of course, he had missed 11 prior games with that leg injury. Uh, he had missed probably... 20-something games over the past several months. Um, he came back for a few games in between, but uh, on the sides of that, he's had the shoulder injury and then more more recently the leg injury. So he's back. He played for Golden State, and that is huge for them, especially with them having a strong week this last week and putting themselves into position to be back in that playoff picture after we were all kind of ready to, to ride him off. So mm-hmm. great news for Golden State. Uh News for Phoenix, Kevin Durant passed Oscar Robertson for the 13th place on the all-time career points scored list. Congratulations to him. I believe the next person he's chasing is Hakeem Olajuwon. So Durant now moving into that kind of conversation for all-time totals. Um, this was kind of a funny one. I didn't know this happened. Uh, for the Bucks. the NBA has rescinded Giannis Antetokounmpo's forced offensive rebound in the closing seconds of Sunday's game at Washington, which negates his triple double. So it was one of those things. Okay. I have, you know, 30 something points that you probably had in that game. I have 10 plus rebounds or I, I have 10 plus assists. I have nine rebounds. I need a rebound. We have a few seconds left. So they inbound him the ball. He races up the floor, throws it off the bottom of the rim and grabs it and says, Hey, there's my 10th rebound. I got a triple double. <laughs> And huh. the so then the next day the NBA today NBA looks back and says yeah no we're not counting that so huh. no triple double for Giannis we've had a few of those in NBA history I think Bob Sura is one that comes to mind where he forced a, a rebound like that to get a triple double but those are always kind of funny to to hear about yeah uh, kind of a front office move for the Phoenix Suns they are hiring Josh Bartlestein. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, as their CEO. Uh, He was with the Detroit Pistons organization. Now, as a CEO, I think that's more of a just a business operations perspective. Usually, if it's an an executive or a GM, they don't phrase it as a CEO. And I think James Jones has been doing a good job for Phoenix. So it's probably just more front office, behind the scenes type position. But regardless, uh, they've brought him into their front office picture. Next, we have our transactional notes. Uh, firstly, the Milwaukee Bucks did officially sign Goran Dragic uh, to fill out their you know, bench unit, just a normal contract for him. And then we have a slew of 10-day contracts. Firstly, the Brooklyn Nets are signing Nerlens Noel to a 10-day contract. The Milwaukee Bucks are re-signing Myers Leonard to another 10-day contract, as are the Utah Jazz re-signing guard Chris Dunn. Uh, the Knicks are re-signing 
guard Daquan Jeffries, who was on a, on a two-way contract, but he's now on a 10-day contract. Finally, a couple more standard contracts. Uh, the Bulls re-signing guard Carlick Jones to a standard contract. Uh, he had been on a two-way at various points in the past. And finally, the Wizards signing forward. Oh, I just wrote the last name and I forgot who it was again. Uh, <laughs> Washington. Let's see. Washington Wizards. Uh Xavier Cooks, that's the name. He plays in the NBL, the Australia's NBL. Uh, they're going to be signing him to a contract. That is per Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. Um, uh, upon the completion of the NBL season, that's when he will come over to the Wizards and play for them. And apparently that contract will run through next season as well. So uh, okay. that's certainly worth noting. Finally, an, an overload of news here, our last news item. Uh, the NBA has named Julius Randle and Devin Booker the NBA's Players of the Week in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference, respectively. So congratulations to them. They will certainly factor into our weekly MVP conversation in just a moment. Wyatt, any news items that you wanted to add some thoughts on that maybe I kind of glossed over before we jump to our game previews? Uh, I mean, just in that game, the Warriors game, I caught some of that. And in addition to Steph making his return, Draymond suffered a bit of a hand injury, but he came back in later. So, oh, okay. uh, he, it was all taped up. So maybe something to watch for in the future, but I imagine he'll be able to continue playing since he did return that game. Gotcha. Well, no, th- thank you for bringing that up. Well, I, I was not aware of that. So we will certainly keep an eye out for that. Could be important, but yeah, maybe his play style won't affect him too much, but it could, it's, it's hard to say, but yeah, thank you for that. Um, let's jump to game previews next. Um, so this is Tuesday through Friday, the games that are national broadcasts and or the games to uh, that are worth paying attention to. Firstly, on Tuesday, we have a TNT doubleheader at 7.30. The Philadelphia 76ers are in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. And then at 10 o'clock, the Memphis Grizzlies are in Los Angeles against the Lakers. Uh, those two games should be pretty good, especially Sixers Timberwolves. The Timberwolves have had made their own little push lately. They've been a pretty good team. Uh, Anthony Edwards really coming into his own. That matchup against what the Sixers have been doing that should be pretty interesting. Uh, if you want to consider one other game, that's League Pass at seven o'clock. The Milwaukee Bucks in Orlando against the Magic. Uh, I'm just intrigued as far as uh, a rookie like Paolo Bancaro, who we think is a front runner for Rookie of the Year, how he matches up against a uh, an MVP level talent in Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think, think that could be very interesting to watch out for more of a, you know, for the future, what that talent looks like. Uh, and those are the three games as part of Tuesday's eight game slate to, to watch out for Wednesday. We have seven games total. Two of those are an ESPN doubleheader. Firstly at seven 30, the Dallas Mavericks are in new Orleans against the Pelicans. And then at 10 o'clock, the LA Clippers play host to the Toronto Raptors. Um, Raptors Clippers, maybe there's that little small note of Kawhi against his old team, but you know half the guys from that championship team aren't even in Toronto anymore, so <laughs> there's not much of a storyline there. Um, should be a, an interesting matchup nonetheless. Uh, Mavericks and Pelicans, if the Pelicans were at full health, it would be a great one, but again, the Pelicans still uh, struggling with that, that health issue. Uh, and then one more game that might be worth watching out for on league pass at seven o'clock, the Atlanta Hawks in Washington against the wizards that falls into your 
play-in race type conversation. Both those two teams with pretty close records uh, trying to find their way into that play-in and playoff picture, what that final uh, final picture will look like. So that should be a good one to watch out for. On Thursday, there's six games total and two games to watch out for are your, is your TNT doubleheader. At 7.30, the Golden State Warriors are in Memphis against the Grizzlies. And then at 10 o'clock, the Sacramento Kings play host to the New York Knicks. I think that second game is especially going to be a great one to watch out for. Knicks-Kings, two of the hot teams in the NBA, especially this season. Uh, Teams that are exceeding people's expectations. That's one that I'm definitely going to pay attention to, and I think you should too. Finally, Friday, we have six games total again, and we have an NBA TV doubleheader, kind of a rare one there. At 8 o'clock, the Cleveland Cavaliers are in Miami against the Heat. And then at 10.30, the Raptors are in Los Angeles against the Lakers. Um, Raptors-Lakers with LeBron out. That one's kind of the matchup of Siakam versus Anthony Davis, if you want to find something there. Meanwhile, Cavs-Heat. Cavs have their playoff position pretty well set. The Heat are still figuring out what theirs will look like, so there's some intrigue there as well. Um, why your thoughts on this slate? What James? What what games jump out to you? Uh, pretty much the same ones you pointed out. Knicks and Heat, uh, or Knicks and Kings for sure, is one that would be great to watch. You know, like you said, two kind of the hot teams that no one was expecting to uh, be as good as they are this year. Mm-hmm. And then the Warriors and Grizzlies potentially could be a, a really good game depending on, you know, it sounds like job may or may not, but probably won't be playing in that game. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that might be an interesting game to watch. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with the Lakers. So I'd be a little more, uh, partial to trying to catch some Lakers games and see if they're going to work their way up into a play in position. So, gotcha. Nope. Fair enough. I, I echo all of those. I'll add a side note for Cavs and Heat. I guess you could also call that the battle of LeBron's old teams. Facing <laughs> yeah. off, if we want to find something else to talk about, but yeah, uh, great, great uh, slate of actions this week. I'm looking forward to a lot of those games. Um, with that, let's go ahead and jump into our power rankings. We've already teased our power rankings a little bit uh, throughout this episode. Now we have a chance to talk about them in depth. And as usual, Wyatt, I'm going to let you lead off the conversation. We, we have some parallels as normal, but we also have some differences. And I'm curious to hear kind of your thoughts on some of these points. Okay. Yeah. So I still have top two Bucks and Celtics. Although I will say Celtics, Sixers, and Nuggets are all very close in my, in my mind. So that, that's my two, three, four. Uh, Sixers have been playing strong lately. Uh, you know, last last week they were two and two, but honestly, I think they're looking pretty good and could give the Celtics a run for their money. Um, so you have on the right night. You have the Nuggets fourth, and yeah, I so I Ooh. had the Sixers rise one and the Nuggets actually fall one, which you know. I don't know. It, it was a tough decision for me to rise the, raise the Sixers up above the Nuggets, but I don't know. I, I watched the Sixers play this last week, and I've watched a fair amount of the Nuggets too, and I think that they're both phenomenal teams, and, you know, if 
if they were to end up facing off in a finals situation, which I don't expect, uh, I think it would be a very tight race. But I don't know. I think the Sixers have a little bit of an edge, honestly. I think between Embiid's athleticism over Jokic's and, you know, Harden might be coming into some of his former star power uh, that, you know, seem to have been lacking a little bit in recent years. I think the Sixers could be a very, very tough team to to beat. So that's a that's a fair point. Yeah. And you could argue Harden versus um Jamal Murray. Right. Who's who's the better co star? So that's a valid argument. I can see that. Yeah, and and right now I'm leaning toward uh it being it being Harden, which you know, it may not end up being the case, but I'm leaning that way right now. And I think the Nuggets sometimes their play seems a little bit uh i don't know i don't want to say empty but it seems like they move the ball incredibly well mm. and that's kind of their thing you know and i think when it comes right down to it high pressure situations you got to have people that are going to make those really tough shots people that are can just overpower a defense rather than relying on uh the fancy passes that Jokic can get which you know I I could see people arguing it the other way too but I think I think Harden is more likely to come in clutch and than Murray and I think that Embiid has a little bit more potential to overpower Jokic than Jokic can Embiid so you gotta have a closer. That's kind of the the point, right? Right, exactly. Gotta okay. have a closer. Fair enough. All right. So that's so Sixers three, Nuggets four. Okay. Yep. And then I got Knicks. Uh, they moved up three spots again, playing phenomenal. Four and zero. Uh, the last two weeks, so eight and zero. Uh, and like I mentioned earlier, they're on a nine game winning streak. Uh, yep. and then the Cavs, they didn't move. Suns moved up two. They went three and zero. I think they're you know, going to be very strong team. Uh yeah. like we talked about earlier. Grizzlies and Kings both fell. So that's right an interesting now. one. I, I gotta jump in yeah. on you here. Grizzlies, of course, we talked about some of those factors. Mm-hmm. The King the Kings went two and one and they fell two spots. I'm curious about that. Right. And looking at this again, I would act I would probably have the Kings above the Grizzlies. Okay. Um, I, I kind of moved those together in my power rankings, but yeah. So the Grizzlies fell for obvious reasons. And then the Kings, like you said, they went two and one. It's not really anything they did wrong so much as I'm really liking what the other teams are doing more, I guess. Okay. No, fair uh, enough. Just, just wanted to ask. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That's a, that's a great point. So I, I would probably remedy that and put the Kings above the Grizzlies. Okay. But I think the Suns, I think the Suns in the long run are going to outrun the Kings and Should we... probably the Cavs, honestly. Right. Should we swap Grizzlies and Kings before we fully yeah. finalize? Okay. Just because I don't want to put out our Instagram posts and I'll plug that right now. If you want to check it out, crossover across time, all in word on Instagram to check out our account. I don't want to post that without you being fully, you know, locked into your power rankings. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, no. You, you make a good point. Uh, okay. okay, and then Warriors came up five spots. They're following mm. the Grizzlies. They're playing strong with the return of Steph. Definitely helps them out. The Nets moved up one. Like you mentioned earlier, they kind of have surprised us in, in their ability to keep getting wins despite mm-hmm. losing all their all their star power. So I had initially dropped them. Uh, seems like more than they maybe deserve to be dropped. He moved up to Dallas, down to uh, in this this area right here is kind of hard for me. Mm-hmm. I, I keep wanting to raise the Mavericks. I think they're gonna turn a corner and do really well, but you know they've been kind of hit or miss. Yeah. Uh, lately. Um. Other than that, you know, big movers. Clippers fell five. Mm. They went one and three. It might be a bit extreme. Uh, I would expect them to end up rising above the Timberwolves soon. Atlanta fell three. You know, that's pretty much my interesting points. Raptors moved up three. Mm. None of these are super significant. Right. Uh, Just kind of circumstantial movement for most of these teams. Gotcha. No, that's... That's fair, you know, and I think, you know, some points we had, you know, Nuggets, Sixers, we kind of talked about that a bit, but it's always healthy to have a little bit of disagreement in some of these. I'm curious if you'll have some uh, some contention with my list, which I guess I'll, if, if you're good with that, I'll go ahead and jump into mine. Awesome. Um, so for my top three, I actually have the Nuggets moving up to number two, interestingly enough. So Ooh. I have Bucks. I see. Yeah, very spicy. I have Buck, <laughs> Bucks number one, Nuggets two, Celtics fall one spot to three after they went one and three this past week, and then it's Sixers and Cavs to round out my top five. Um, I, if you want, we can debate some of that, or if you're good to just you know jump to the next uh, next spot. Uh, I I mean I actually I agree with your top five it, based on your philosophy of current performance or at least performance of last week i i you know can't argue with what you've done here right yeah i I mean i would i would maybe even say sixers above the celtics based on recent performance because of the losing streak of the celtics and the you know the sixers yeah playing quite well yeah, no, and I, I considered that. I think that's a valid uh, a valid possibility. But I also thought, you know, Celtics were number one for so long. And that shouldn't always hold a ton of weight. But it's also like, you know, I can't just... It does some, bear some merit, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can't just suddenly drop them a bunch of spots. So they fell one. Um, but yeah, as far as the week goes, Sixers had, you know, a very impressive win against the Bucks. It could be argued, but um, no, yeah. And then the Knicks move up to number six. They move up two spots, uh, similar to you, and and the Suns move up as well. Kings, I kept the Kings in the same spot. Um, I kind of went a bit against my, you know, you mentioned what I've usually done as far as what they've done in the immediate, you know, past and the overall season outlook. Not really looking a ton into the future. Um, I went against that a little bit you know, moving the Grizzlies down this week. But at the same time, those news stories breaking during the week, I think 
count as valid reasons to say, okay, they're going to be without John Morant. They lost some games that were tough, you know, I don't know. So Clark yeah. injured. Yeah. I, Clark, Clark injured. So yeah. yeah, I think it's valid. So yeah, the Grizzlies down three spots. They're into number nine. The Nets hold out at 10 for the moment. They're two and two. Um, but of course the Warriors moved up into your 10 spot. Warriors are in 11 for me, very closely behind. Yeah. Three and one. They um, they had a great homestand. We mentioned Steph Curry back for them. They are positioned well, and especially suddenly, quietly sliding into number five in the West. They're yeah. in a great position to lock themselves into a playoff spot after we'd all kind of written them off. Timberwolves managed to slide up five spots for me. They went three and zero. Oh. I think that was you mentioned. You know with the Grizzlies and Kings in your power rankings, more so a factor of other teams, like a reverse of that other teams falling and struggling. And the Timberwolves managed to get rocketed up in that sense. Um, so Timberwolves mm-hmm. up five below them, the the Mavericks, the Clippers, the Hawks, they all fell. Clippers fell four spots. Uh, Raptors up three jazz down three jazz went. Oh, and three. The, yeah. the only, the only other no. team, the only other team to went zero and three was the Pistons. What are we doing? Yeah. I... And remember last week we talked about, please don't lose to the Spurs and break their sixteen game losing streak. I... And we went and we did it. <laughs> I I wondered if you were going to bring that up. I'd yeah. forgotten about that. And we got demolished by the Thunder. Twice. <laughs> twice, yeah. We lost the Thunder twice and the Spurs. Maybe we should have moved the Jazz down further. But... I know. It was a bad, <laughs> bad week. For the bad Jazz. week for the Jazz, for sure. So, yeah, they fall three spots after they had a great week last week. They were 3-1 last week. But, um, yeah, tough week. Uh, Lakers and Wizards managed to move up after the Trailblazers and Thunder fall a little bit. Um, Pacers and Bulls swap. Not much there. I did switch around my bottom three, and I think you kind of had the same. Rockets and Spurs managed to move up after they went two and two, and the Pistons fell to the last spot, zero oh and three. You yeah, know, I I, well. I wonder if all these teams need the teams that are struggling is for me to say they're not going to win again. <laughs> yeah, just, I know. Because <laughs> I, I was all about. I did my my weekly prediction saying the Rockets and the Spurs are going to barely win many barely win any other games to close out the season. They both win two games this week. They just need me to say it's not going to happen. And they're like, oh, we'll show him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Random guy in Utah. But, um, yeah, I, I guess that overall takes care of our power rankings. Again, we will post these on our Instagram account, uh, crossover or cross time on Instagram if you want to check those out. We will also post, this segues us, we'll post our weekly MVP. Let's go ahead and jump into that conversation. Uh, okay. each, each week we pick 10 players who had standout uh, statistical performances, great team performances. You know, their teams were winning teams, uh, advanced stats, things of that nature. We pick 10 players who stood out last week. Uh, and we pick a MVP out of that group. Again, a winning record is important. Our 10 candidates for this week, we have Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, Tyrese Halliburton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Julius Randle, John Morant, Jalen Brunson, Jamal Murray, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. I'll add a quick note. I have included Mikhail Bridges and James Harden, even though they were two and two this week. 
they had impressive wins and their teams had impressive wins. And so uh, I felt they were valid to include in this conversation. Um, as always, and with a lot of these segments, I'm going to let Wyatt start as far as this is the first time he's really getting a deep look at this list of candidates. Um, who jumps out at you? Wyatt, what, do you, what are you thinking here? Uh, right. There's, there's a couple people that jump out. And for similar reasons. So yeah. I'm looking at uh, Devin Booker and Tyrese Halliburton right now. Okay. Both of them averaging over 30 points a game, over five rebounds. Both of them around eight assists. Kevin uh, or Devin Booker at 7.7 and Tyrese at 8.5. And their turnovers were minuscule, 0.7 for Devin Booker and 1.5 turnovers for Tyrese Halliburton. These are two of like the best assist to turnover ratios we've seen in our MVP conversations, at least in mm-hmm. the same in in the same week. You know, two really good ones. Yeah, and then stand up defense too. I mean, uh, between half a steal and one steal, uh, you know, a block, uh, great percentages. I mean. I mean, Hallie Burton, 53 from three-pointer, 57 from field goal, and yep. Devin Booker just barely trailing that. I don't know. Some of the times these plus-minus scores are a little bit deceiving <laughs> because yeah. Tyrese is negative four somehow, and Devin Booker is 16 with arguably you know, you know very similar stats, to say the least, and, and some right. of them lower than Tyrese Hallie Burton's. So... You know, I'm going to kind of discount that right now. Yeah, well, and a lot of times plus minus is a function of who's on the floor with you, right? Right, yeah, which allows the team to kind of close the gap while you happen to be on the floor. Uh, Yeah, so phenomenal performances by those two. Uh, Definitely, definitely great job to them. And and those, those two are my initial standouts, but... You know, there's some great ones down uh, lower, too, in, in KD, mm. uh, almost 70% field goal percentage. I mean, holy mm. crap. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Over a block per game and, you know, almost a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio while doing everything, you know, that Kevin Durant does. Yep. I don't know. that We have a lot of pretty good options this week for sure and i would also add you know i'm kind of leaning towards a suns player or a knicks player based on the weeks that both those teams have and maybe that's not the best mindset but those also kind of happen to be the standout players for me not to discount halliburton he had a great week too but booker durant um Randall and Brunson are the standouts for me. And I'll, I'll talk Randall and Brunson, our Knicks guys here. Randall, 4-0 and in the week. Uh, Brunson, 3-0 and simply because he did not play that last night's game. Randall, nearly 30 points a game, eight rebounds, five assists. Turnovers are a little high, as are the fouls, but great percentages, 50-40-70, and a plus-minus of seven. Meanwhile, Brunson... 27 points a game, uh, nearly six assists, lower turnovers, about a steal a game, 
even better percentages, 60, 40, 70, 75, and uh, 14.3 plus minus. So those two guys, I think, are also standout guys. Um, mm-hmm. Worth noting, we have John Morant in here. Unfortunately, could be one of the last weeks for a little while we see him in our MVP conversation. Um, but he did have a good week. Um, so, yeah, otherwise, I think Booker, though, if I had to pick a standout, like, singular guy, it's got to be Booker. Yeah. 36 points, nearly eight assists. You mentioned that assist to turnover was stellar. Uh, you know, picking up some fouls, but it's always good to have some fouls. You know, you're playing physical, you're you're in the game. You know, 56 from the floor, nearly 80% from the free throw line. That's really the only blemish I can see as far as the stats. The free throw percentage just a touch low. The plus yeah. min- the plus minus is massive. The points were stellar. And the Suns were, you know, kind of best case scenario you would expect them to be ultra dominant than they were this last week. So if I was to already kind of name a pick, it'd probably be Booker. Yeah, no, I- I'm right there with you. He would it would be very difficult for any of these other players to compete. Durant, I mean, has some strengths, like the 70% field goal percentage is a, a big, you know, buff his way. But outside of that, you know, and, and uh, well, I mean, actually, the defense is pretty comparable. Yeah, I would say that's kind of the big buff for Durant. But, I mean, Booker had, you know, nine points more per game on average and his assist to turnover ratio like you like has been mentioned already is phenomenal so yeah. i i could definitely be on board with that should we uh should we waste no more time should we just go ahead and, and lock that in let's lock it in all right so that locks it in congratulations to devin booker uh not too far away down there in phoenix if you want to come up and collect your trophy now we have the fun weekly exercise of me trying to write this in. Um, I mentioned this last time, but we're at the point with the trophy where it's like on the very underneath side of the cup and it's <laughs> a little bit tricky to, to write it in. We have five weeks, 21 through 25, five weeks left. And I'm, I'm thinking we're going to write those names along the very outside of like the cup part. And then that will round out our, um MVP trophy very nicely. But I'll go ahead and show that to to Wyatt there. We've got Devin Booker written in. Kind of good. Scrawled up the side of the cup. But congratulations again. Uh, again, you can pick that up for the week and then Devin will need it back for for next week's show. Um okay that being said let's jump to our this day in history fact to uh wrap things up. Uh we're going back to the year two thousand for this one. March 6th of 2000, Shaquille O'Neal of the Los Angeles Lakers scored an NBA season high 61 points to go with 23 rebounds in the Lakers 123 to 103 triumph over the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, It says triumph. I mean, it was the 2000 Clippers. I can't imagine that that was a huge, you know, a massively contested contest. (laughs) I mean, triumph over Lamar Odom. And I mean, Odom's a fine player, but I mean, like that Clippers team did not have a lot of talent. So, and if it did, it was really young and raw. So, um, I don't know. That was, that was a little more negative of note than I've had. So I apologize for that. <laughs> but, um, 
if you're interested in, yeah triumph oh oh unbelievable no if you're if you're interested though there's an interesting uh clip audio clip from an interview and it was either an interview or it was uh no it was an open court segment that's what it was um and they're talking to Shaq about this scoring this high scoring game and the story behind it and he says that he was like party planning almost like they're gonna have a party after the game and he was getting, you know, calling friends up to, to, you know, do that. And he didn't, he didn't get his normal pregame nap. And so he was tired during this game and then the team was struggling and he just, you know, decided to go off for this many points, which I guess, you hmm. know, props to him. It was kind of interesting. Yeah. So if you're interested, you can check that out. It's up on YouTube somewhere, but um, uh, regardless, that takes care of our uh, show today. We want to thank you all for listening. I think it was a, Pretty good show. Uh, tomorrow's show for you will be the normal, you know, summaries from tonight's action, Monday's action, the latest news, and we'll go ahead and talk our award chase conversation, the latest uh, discussion around the MVP and things like that. Uh, before we th- finish things up, Wyatt, any closing remarks for us? Thank you all for, for listening. I hope you enjoy your week. This week's basketball lineup, in my opinion, is maybe a little less exciting compared than, I mean, at least compared to last week's with, you know, some huge games last week, but uh, nevertheless, basketball is always fun to watch. So hopefully you enjoy it. Absolutely. Yeah. And there can always be that one game that comes out of nowhere and is very exciting. So no, yeah, I echo that. Thank you all for listening and we'll be back with you tomorrow.